Hello and welcome to Soul Survivor Main Meeting Talks from April Conference 2019. We hope you enjoy. Well, poor old Daniel had his three mates almost burned to death. So it's, it's been a rough trot for the old Daniel and it, it's not going to get too much better today. We're, um, we're actually going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, and we're actually going to skip over 50 years. Because Daniel... And, and one of the reasons he stood the test of time and we're still looking at him today is because Daniel served in Babylon for, they believe, over 70 years. He served, and, and today we're going to look to Daniel chapter 6, and he's under his third king and his third kingdom in this evil empire of Babylon. And so today, what, uh, where, where God's led me to, to bring us to is I wonder... Have you ever felt rejected? Have you ever felt like you're in a pit where no one can find you? And then the question today is, well, what about a pit of lions? You may not have faced, come face to face with lions. I doubt it. But, but Daniel, where we land today, has been thrown in this famous story into a den of live lions. And he has been serving... Nebuchadnezzar, and then Belshazzar, and now Darius, and he's done it for over 70 years. God has continued to put him in a position of importance and influence. You'd think he's, I mean, time after time, he's interpreted dreams, he's interpreted visions, his friends have um, stood through fire where an angel has come. You know, as a man that has revealed and shown the goodness of God, you'd think they would have all turned to God by now. But, but no, but they, they haven't. But, but God is still faithfully working through Daniel. And I mean, it's great that as we come to the last day of Soul Survivor, as we look at this idea of faithfulness and staying true to God, Daniel's the man. He's a man that was shaped by God. He stood by God. He knew who he was with God. And, and, and that shaped his whole heart, mind, and life. So today, as we're about to read chapter 6, if you've turned there, hopefully already have caught, caught, caught the gist. Daniel is still looked down upon. He's not from these lands. He's a Jew. He's a foreigner. He worships a different God. And so people are sick of him being the most trusted man to the king. And so they've come at him with this plan, and we're about to, to read it. But what we, what we look at today is we're looking at rejection, and we're looking at a little bit of suffering and, and struggles, because that's part, it's part of following God, is we're going to come across opposition. And so if you've ever struggled to follow Jesus or suffered, today's for you. So from verse 1, let's have a little read. I'm uh, reading from the NLT again. It's nice and easy to read. Darius the Mede, the new king, he decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. 
Then the other administrators and high officers began searching to find a fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds to accuse Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion, his faith. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live the king Darius. We're all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors and governors, that the king should make a law that we will strictly enforce. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Whoa. So as you can see, there's a bit of a cycle happening with these kings. They're all nutbags. (laughs) They've just signed a law that if anyone does anything else to any other leader or God, they're going to be thrown into lions and mauled by lions. Who's ever been to a a safari or something wild outside of an Australian zoo and seen a a lion that's not tame in Australia? A few of you. Okay, well, those who haven't, I've got a little video for us um, of some nighttime lions. Let's have a look. Renoka and Lacan will defend their territory and their pride at all costs. And under the cover of night, they make their move. I would have liked a bit more volume, but you could hear those roars at night time, right? To be honest, I found this incredible footage of a pack of lions hunting an elephant, but I thought for the vegans and the vegetarians, I wouldn't show it. Um, But what I wanted you to get a picture of was lions' eyes at night, because Daniel, kind of spoiler alert, gets thrown into the, the den of lions, but Can you imagine those growls and those roars? These are vicious animals. If you want to check out the lions, I'm sure you've seen stuff in planet Earth. But there's incredible footage of lions and and, and how fierce they were. Lions back then actually roamed around the countryside. There wasn't safaris and zoos so much back then. Um, So they were a common creature that everyone was aware of. Most people would have had sightings, family deaths, and all sorts of connections to this um, king of, of the jungle and this, this foreign wild lands. Many of them hunted them for sport, some caught and captured them, and then they were often used for executions as ways of killing people that went against the king. So it made sense, but was an extreme time under an extreme kingship, that this is what would happen for this little tricky law that the officers and the administrators who've been seen as not as valuable as Daniel, who've come at him. So we read on in verse 10, what happens? Well, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to God. Then officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking, for God's help. You see this picture? If you were told that 
anything you do to do with Jesus, if you show up to communion this morning or the, the, the gather this morning, you'll be thrown into a den of lions. Would have you showed up here? You don't have to answer that. It's quite slightly illogical here at Pacific Hills. Um, but can you imagine? That's what Daniel's facing. But this man who served for 70 years faithfully, he knows who he serves. He knows in his heart who he is. He knows how to overcome fear. He knows to ask God for help, to seek God. And he goes back to his room where he prays every time, three times a day, the window open. And where is he facing? He's facing towards Jerusalem because he's now over in Babylon, captured in exile. He's facing where the temple of God once stood, where the presence of God once stood. He's facing where Jesus would one day come and give up his life for all of us. And in this moment, Daniel holds on to his identity. He asks for help. He overcomes fear with faith, and he prays. And, and this morning, the, the next secret that Daniel gives us is a heart of prayer, a heart of everyday prayer. And I'm hoping to press deeper into that idea and to give us a few kind of little tips on how we can be people that no matter what we face, we have hearts of prayer, hearts of prayer every day, every week. And I know you get told to read your Bible and to pray, but there is so much depth and beauty to, to people that encourage you in that. And I'm hoping today we can be inspired further. So next in the story, the officials, they knew where Daniel lived. They even went to his house just to find him praying where they knew he would pray. But first of all, um, they checked that. They saw him praying at his window that he always goes to. Then they go back to the king. And they're like, hey, king, just want to check in. You know that law that you signed? Anyone that does that, they're going to get thrown into a lion's den. That part of our law is you can't change a law. So is that all good? And the king says, it's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. And they're like, boom, we got you. We just found Daniel praying in his room, the same spot he's been doing it for 70 years. And now he's done it three times today. So what are you going to do about it, king? Jump to verse 14. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. What the heck? So hang on, this king does like Daniel. He wanted to put him in charge of the whole province. But he got caught and tricked, and now the king of this entire evil empire over many, many countries and kingdoms trusts this man of God, and he wants to save this man of God. He's troubled that this man might get killed. Verse 15, let's keep going. In the evening, the men went together to the king and they said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law, no law that the king signs can be changed. So the last, that at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. The king is saying this to Daniel. May your God rescue you. Then a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone and with his own royal seal and the seals of his noble that, so that no one else could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. It's a horrific moment. It's a story that many of us, 
If you grew up going to kids' church, you've heard about Daniel thrown into the den. It's a story we all know. But I'm hoping today God's going to speak freshly into it. Because I don't remember about the king. I didn't remember that the king liked Daniel. And here what we've just read is that the king himself went home and fasted. The king of Babylon stopped eating and drinking. And the king of another god and another kingdom is interceding, is praying, is caring for a child of God. That's influence. That's the power of what God can do in our lives, in our high schools, in our families, in our workplaces. Poor Daniel, here again, is thrown in the middle of night into a, 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 um, a, a den, a, a place, a, a rocky kind of crevice in, in a kind of covered by, by rocks and dirt, with a, with a sealed over by a rock. Hey, Joey, nice to meet you. Yep, daddy's here, shh. Um, but for 70 years, and it seems like there's a peace over Daniel. There isn't a huge fear. It seems that he knew that if God wants him to live, God will save him from this spot, even from a pack of lions that he's sleeping with at night. And so what we face in this story is a truth that Jesus taught as well and that we still know today, and we know it very well in Australia, and we've been looking at that this week that many of our friends and families don't know Jesus. Many don't understand why you're at Soul Survivor this week. Many don't understand why you go to youth group or church. And that will create opposition. That will create challenges, struggles. People will attack you the same way they attack Jesus. And therefore, what we can learn from Daniel is insight into handle opposition and attack. And, and what, I, what the word that came to me as I looked at this story was rejection. Daniel has been rejected. All the people he served and loved and cared for, he's a leader that's cared for hundreds of thousands, millions of people, and they've rejected him. No one's defended him or stood up for him. Even the king had to sign off, and he's now lonely um, and pushed aside and put in a tomb. It sounds very similar to the story of our Jesus, doesn't it? And so I wonder what this brings up for you this morning, where the times you've felt rejected. I want to share with you, really honestly, a time in my life around eight years ago. I told a little bit of the story two days ago. And it, it, it began, as I shared, when my heart was beating at Soul Survivor 2010. I encountered God. I had tears. He had called me to leave acting and to follow him closely and, and become a pastor. And, and that was really clear, and I began that journey. But what I didn't tell you and what I want to share with you this morning is that that wasn't easy. And I finished my acting degree, and I couldn't resist trying to do both. And so what I tried to do was, okay, I can start working, save some money, go to Bible college, I'm dating Emma... But I could also get an acting agent, and that could earn some money that I could give to the church and do good things. So at the end of acting school, I got an agent. And um, that's you know, kind of what actors do, and then it takes 10 to 20 to 30 years if you make the 1% of actors that could make um, some money or a living and do it for a long-term period. And so I found myself on this journey of dancing between two worlds, what I felt God wanted me to do everything. But deep down, 
it began to come clearer that in this season, for me, that wasn't my call. So there was this moment. Um, I began to do a few auditions, which is brutal. You're in, you're out. You don't get a call back. You don't get any work. And then came this, this job that was going to be worth a few thousand dollars, and it was an ad, and actors don't want to do ads. But I wanted the money because that would help life and, and that stage where I was at. And it was a Domino's pizza ad. So I got a, a little slice of pizza just to warm you up. And I'd done three years of training. Who's hungry for pizza? It's pizza. It's pizza Saturday. That's prophetic. So <laughs> there I am. They go, Andrew Bollum, come in. I come in. They sit me down. They give me a bit of bread. And they say, go. The cameras are shooting in three, two, one, action. And I'm meant to eat this bit of plain bread and look like I am in love with Domino's pizza. And so I have this moment, the cameras are on me, and I'm thinking my future is alive. God is going to send me into the Marvel dynasty. I'll beat Chris Hemsworth to the role of Thor. (laughs) It'll start with Domino's. It will build and build and build. And I'm holding this bread, and I I look at it, and I'm like, oh, nom, 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 nom. And I got so caught up with the emotions and the bread, and I was confused because it was bread, it wasn't pizza, and I literally, it was probably the worst audition I've ever done. Like, I I don't know, it would have looked, I mean, I don't want to say it looked like I was kissing Emma because that would be disgusting. Um, It didn't look like I was eating pizza, but I I drove home from this audition, and I I was thinking through, like, who am I? What am I doing I'd cancelled work that day to go to this audition and I had this moment that this is not what I've called you to do, Andrew. I've got other things for you to do. And there's nothing wrong with acting, but it's not for you. That's not your plan. And and so the story goes um, that, that this led to another bigger moment because I still, I didn't give up acting. I didn't give up the agent and I hadn't started my journey to Bible college and becoming a pastor which was just what he wanted for me. And so this next moment came, I got another audition opportunity. Um, And just for for fun, I'll put up some acting photos of me. Um, And Emma made me do this. Um, She said it would would serve the story. But if you're an actor or a dancer, you're going to have to get headshots. And there's nothing wrong with headshots. But as you can see... I was 21 and I loved myself and I went for a particular style of headshot Um, and that was me when I was 21 and I got this audition, I got this audition that came my way for Neighbours nine years, eight years ago and it felt not right. I read the script, it was for this kind of high school, 18-year-old swimmer training for the Olympics. I read the script for the audition, and the rules are in acting. You never say no to an audition. You take everything. You respect the agent, all of these things that come with it. Like, like you are part of them. You've, you earn them money, and you've got to say yes. You've got to be free. You've got to leave your job. And I had this audition coming up in a few days. I went and prayed with God. I prayed with my friends, my pastor, And it didn't feel right. I was at this stage where it felt like I was meant to save money and and marry Emma. And and that our future was heading towards serving God. But then this opportunity in Australia, basically the only way to become an actor is if you get on Neighbours or Home and Away. Times have moved a little bit. 
and you can now get on Netflix and that'll get you somewhere. But this was it. This was my moment for God to use me and take me to Hollywood. Um, and then I'd tell everyone about Jesus like Daniel. But that wasn't for me. And I knew it in my heart and I prayed with it and everyone confirmed it. And basically, I, I called them. I talked to the agent. They said, we can't have this chat with you. This is stupid. They have picked you. You're one of like five people they want for this role. I'll see you there tomorrow. That night, I emailed and said, I can't come. I won't be there. The next day, I got this email, November 13, 2012. I lied. That's seven years ago. Sorry. Um, Dear Andrew, it's inconceivable that you have chosen not to attend such an important and valuable audition. Anyone who is serious and committed to their acting would not think twice about an opportunity like this. In fact, they wouldn't think twice about any opportunity. Not giving yourself this chance not only affects you, it affects us. We work so hard to get our actors auditions, and you've cost us a lot of possible substantial income. Based on this, I can see you're not serious about your acting, and therefore I'm releasing you from your agency this agency active immediately. We wish you all the best with your life journey. Goodbye. <laughs> I cried. I cried and cried. I have not gone to any auditions or acted since that day. But I knew it was right. I knew it was what God was asking me to do. I shared with you the other day, I got a friend who's called to be an actor and, and, and he serves Jesus and he's doing incredible things. But it was not, and this took me a couple years from that encounter with Jesus at Soul Survivor. And where I'm going with this is that I felt rejected. I felt so rejected. I thought that they might give me another chance and I could keep trying to do both these things. But then I felt like Jesus wanted all of me in this season. And he wanted all of me. Yeah, thank you. Get rid of those photos. Good. <laughs> I was meant to ask you. Thank you. Jesus wanted all of me. And at that stage of my life, I had more focus on me and my importance, my fame, my popularity, my financial success. All of these things were about me. And it was almost like God just needed me to spend enough time with him so that I could start falling into his plans and that he could shape me. The incredible thing is, I don't know if Emma would have stayed with me. I would have had to move to Melbourne. The role was ridiculous. It already had a kiss with a girl on the camera. And I just don't think that would have worked for where we were at. And so I just praise God that that was one of the most rejecting, hurtful, and lonely times of my life. But in the suffering, in the rejection, God worked something new in my heart. The Holy Spirit came in new ways, and I had to fall in love with Him afresh. And I had to find out and trust that He will find things that I enjoy. He will give me the desires of my heart. He will use my acting and my passion and my talents in, in different ways, but not the ways I had planned, the ways he had planned. And as I looked at the life of Jesus, as I spent time with him, when he met his disciples, they were on the, many of them were fishermen, and he said, drop your nets and follow me. And they dropped their nets and they followed him. And that was the kind of person I wanted to be. Andrew, in fact, was one of the fishermen. Then in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's these, all three of them record these incredible words of Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. And I've been thinking about those words lately. I always imagine that means each day I just need to carry the cross like Jesus. And the more I think about those words, it took me to Jesus. It took me to that moment that he was in the garden on his knees. 
sweating, sweating drops of blood, so scared about the weight of God's plan for his life, which was to go to the cross for the sake of every one of us. But that was his mission. But he actually said to God, would you take this from me? I don't want this this plan that you have for me. Take the cup. But then he prayed, "Not, not my will, but your will be done. And that moment for me with acting was not my will anymore. I let go. I give up. I say no because I want to say yes to one thing and it's you. And Jesus in that moment said, not my will. My body doesn't want to go to the cross. But if that's your will, I'll do it for you and I'll do it for the whole world. And Jesus did it. And we read an angel strengthened him and was there with him. If you want to turn back to verse 19, we're going to finish the story of Daniel. The king gave orders to arrest the men. Ah, oh, no jokes. Verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out of, the, out of the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths, so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in God. Can we give a clap? You. That's the story we all remember. This old man, this isn't a young Daniel. He was like 15 at the start of this journey this week. He's now an old elderly man. He walks out and says, I've been found innocent. I've trusted God and my God sent an angel who shut the mouth of the lions and he spent a night with lions. Did you know in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the greats of the faith. If you ever want to learn about people of great faith, Hebrews 11. And Daniel gets a spot in Hebrews 11. We read that by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised. They shut the mouth of lions by faith. We will be known and we will be tested and we will one day see Jesus and he will want to know about our faith. And we are growing our faith this week. And in the den, through his faith, created a shield. Now, one little moment on angels. I never understood angels only until the last few years. You know, there's almost 300 references in the Bible to the messengers of God, angels. And 182 of them are in the New Testament. And angels are still today delivering, rescuing, and protecting us. We see um, throughout the New Testament, Joseph and Mary encountered angels before the birth of Jesus. We see Jesus in the desert, angels come and help him fight Satan. We see at the empty tomb when Jesus was resurrected that there were angels there. We see in Acts 5 when Peter was put in prison, angels let him out of prison. And then Paul himself was led and delivered by angels. And I want to encourage you today that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are with you, around you and they're in you, but you also have the messengers of God, the armies of heaven that are greater than the armies and the, and, of the enemy. 
and they are with us and they're for us. And they will care for you as well and they will deliver you in the different moments of rejection and opposition that you face. In fact, there is an angel watching over every one of you. And we read this in Matthew 18, verse 10. Jesus says, Do not despise one of the, any of the little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. There is an angel over every one of the children. Don't look down on them, Jesus said. And this morning I want to say to you, don't let anyone look down on you, wherever you are, whatever you face. Because Jesus is with you, he's shaping you, and his angels, his love and his presence is with you. And I believe each night when I say goodnight to Joey that there is an angel caring for her. Along, and, and, and the angels, that we don't worship them. Angels exist to point to God, to point to our Father in heaven with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us. And this incredible story ends with the king again spreading the message and the love of God. There is a horrible moment where the people that created this whole horrible plan, them and their families get thrown to the lions. And I don't want to hide that from you. The Old Testament was a brutal time of judgment and Jesus hadn't come yet. And these people that tried to kill a child of God, they, for that, received death. And that's a sad part to this story, that the families and children of the administrators that tried to take down Daniel, they got killed. But I don't want to dwell on that because what we read in verse 26 is the decree that was spread across the entire kingdom of Babylon. And the decree goes like this. I decree that throughout the kingdom, everyone should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And this was spread across in letters and stories that were passed to every child and every family. That there is a God of heaven who saves and rescues and is, is over us all. Let's turn to him. This is all came because of the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends. And, and this week, as we look at being shaped by Jesus, we're looking at how Daniel was shaped and how we can be shaped by the same God of Daniel, the same Father in heaven, the same Jesus that now lives in us. And so what do we learn from Daniel today? We see that his response was to go to his room to kneel, to pray and to trust. God is bigger than any circumstance that we face. And he trusted him with all of his heart. All of his heart, just like Proverbs 3 verse 5, trust in the Lord with all or your heart. Not a little bit of it. Not some of it and then keep being an actor for me. And I'm not sure what it is for you. But I believe this morning God is leading us to take up our crosses and to follow Jesus. For Jesus, it was the cross. Probably most of us, all of us, aren't called to die on a cross. But there are some things that you may need to die to. You may need to let go of. I don't know. One day God may ask me to do some acting. But for now, that is not what he's asked me to do. 
And I'm not sure what things that maybe you need to let go of and give everything, all of your heart to God. But, but Daniel was a man who trusted God with all of his heart. And it was a heart of prayer. And he trusted that God had a bigger plan. And that's what I want to point us to this morning. And as we find a heart of prayer, as we find a heart that is devoted to God, devoted to Jesus, I believe that's what God's been shaping in each and every one of us this week. Through the projects, through the talks, through the worship, through the pancakes, through the workshops, God has been shaping our identities, teaching us to ask for help, to turn to the helper, the Holy Spirit who lives in us, to overcome faith, overcome fear with faith. And today the message is, is do you have a heart of prayer? Have you discovered a heart of prayer that you spend time with just you and God? Because that's what I, I want to lead us and land us with this morning, a heart of prayer. For me, I struggled with prayer. I thought there were prayer teams and I couldn't really learn how to pray. I wasn't a good prayer. But as I read more of the scriptures and as I spent more time with God and less time with myself, I began to see that all the people of the Bible, all the stories point to going deeper with Jesus. And as I began to pray more and more, I was pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I was asking for more of God. I was trying to serve Him more. I was learning how much He loved me. And out of nowhere, um, the gift of tongues emerged out of my mouth. And as I talked to people and read books and learned about the gift of tongues, I can now say that for the last few years, I pray in tongues every day. And I don't boast in that for myself, but because it builds me up to serve Jesus and to love Jesus. And I share that with all of us to be unashamed about having that, that um, gift, but also pursuing it because the Bible teaches us to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to grow closer to Jesus. And I just believe, who knows, maybe Daniel was praying in tongues, but he was definitely praying in the Spirit and he was on his knees, finding the strength to face lions. And this morning, I want to encourage us in our prayer lives to step into that. And God will use your personal private prayers and that will eventually flow into your public prayers with other people, with your friends, with your family. I've been amazed as I take risks with prayer, as I, I give prophetic words or words of encouragement or prophecy of what God can do. Just at a camp a year ago, I was praying for a year 12 boy who was crying and upset. And I had this crazy picture of a, a little lorikeet in a cage, a bird. And I've never had a pet in my life. I lived a tough childhood. Um, I joke, I lived a great childhood, but I never had a pet. And so I was like, this is a weird picture. And I shared this with him. He started crying further. And, and, and his grandma had just died, and she had a little pet bird. And he just felt God's love come over him. And when we discover a heart of prayer where we talk to God every day, it becomes easier to talk his heart to other people. And that's the kind of heart of prayer that I just want to finish on as I really am about to finish, I promise. And so how did Jesus teach us to find a heart of prayer? How can we grow? What I want to suggest to all of us is you all know where your phone charger is. You all know where your favorite soccer posts are, where you practice your free kicks, you all know where your gaming studio and room is. 
where you notch up um, your kills, you learn your orange justice moves. You know where that all happens. But do you know where you pray? Do you know where there's a secret place where you meet with Jesus? I've got them in different spots all over, where I work, where I go on holidays. And I go to those spots because they remind me of God and I know what I'm going to do there. I'm going to meet with Him, talk to Him, listen to Him, listen to music, write, journal, and I'm going to go to that place. And Jesus taught his friends, and I I want to just remind us today that Jesus said, what you do in the secret place with just you and me, I will reward you. I will speak to you. I will bless you. And I have found for the last seven to ten years as I've pursued Jesus that the secret place has changed my heart. And it's similar to that secret place Daniel had where he found a heart of prayer. And I want to challenge you. You know, you might try and pray every day, and that might be too hard. But I want you to pick a spot that you go to once a week for at least 20 to 30 minutes. A secret place where you meet with God. You talk to Him about rejection, suffering, loneliness, anything that's going on. Excitement, prayers, vision, dreams. And you let Him shape your heart, shape your faith. Because I believe that for every lion you face, there's a Daniel inside of you that's growing. And this week, we've encountered Daniel, a man of faith. And as we face lions individually and together, he's forming our hearts in new ways. He's shaping us with hearts of prayer. And he's doing it by the helper, the Holy Spirit, that lives in us, dwells in us, and is shaping our hearts. The Spirit of Jesus. So I wonder today, what do you need to invite Jesus into in your heart? Which area is it? Is there still some things you've been holding on to? Have you felt rejected this year? Is there some struggle with friendships? Wherever and whatever it may look like. The thing that Daniel reveals to us is a faithful heart of prayer. And I believe as young people, if we can start training ourselves in that. God has a plan. I know He does. He promises it. Jesus taught it. And He died so that we would step into that plan. But we would do it with Him. Not our will, but His will be done. Shaped by a heart of prayer. Amen? Thanks so much for listening, guys.